Today's guest shares her dating journey with the acknowledgement that almost 40% of couples nowadays meet online. So the world, while that is very normal for today's time, very different for those who uh, actually were living during the time when people actually met in person and dated in person. We'll find out more about this statistic as we learn more about today's guest and her journey in the world of online dating in just a moment. Hello, everyone. I'm Pamela Brewer, welcoming you to this edition of Mind Talk and to this, our 25th year of Mind Talk. Today's guest, Christiane Heil, has practiced human rights and criminal defense law for several years before selling her practice and transferring to software uh, marketing. She suffered the heartbreaking loss of losing her spouse at the age of 48, and at some point in her grief journey, she realized it was time to move on. Christiane, welcome to Mind Talk. Thank you so much, Dr. Brewer. It's my pleasure. Now, Christiane, in your previous life as a practicing attorney, and then with the loss of your husband, it would be very easy to understand if you had decided to give up on relationships altogether. But you didn't. No, absolutely not. Um, Certainly, uh, I had a fair amount of time where I was in grief and processing the loss of my husband. We'd been together for 10 years. But um, I hearken back to the fact that he had actually been married three times. And uh, two of his marriages were exceptionally good in his own words. I was that second marriage. And so I felt as if I had an implicit permission from him to go out and find another greater than two relationship. In other words, I called my book One Plus One is Greater Than Two because the sum of the parts when you find the right person is so much bigger and better than you ever imagined. And it, it was almost as if he had given me tacit and permission um, to do that. I still had a long life ahead of me. I died or he died when I was 48. So um, I I felt very encouraged by that after I'd come out of the grief process. You know, I was going to ask you about the title one plus one is greater than two. And of course, the subtitle is the online dating guide for women over 50. So thank you for sharing that because I really was curious about that. Um, when you first began to approach the idea of online dating, did that seem like an odd thing to consider or did it feel sort of like a comfortable next step? Well, for me, I have this background in technology and a strong um, leaning towards math. I was pretty good in math at school. I'm left and right-brained. Um, So it was no coincidence that I also fell into being a lawyer and marketing. I loved technology, and I worked in Silicon Valley for a long time. Internet dating seems like this incredible intersection between math and romance. Hmm. And so there was no question in my mind that it was a unique opportunity at this time in my life. Um, certainly not one that I would have had 30 years ago if I had been born earlier. So I was actually really curious and somewhat excited to try it. 
You know, there are many people, certainly nowadays, who are involved, as you said, who are involved in online dating. 40% is sort of a huge number. What, what do you say to the people who say, you know, there are so many online sites, so many are free. What do I have to lose? I'll just go with the free site and see what happens. Yeah. Well, it's certainly understandable that for people who want to put a toe in the water that they would start with a free site. And there are quite a few free sites that are fun and very accessible to get on. But in general, I would caution against using a free site exclusively or even relying on one. In fact, um, I have seven easy guidelines that I um, recommend. And the first one is use a paid dating site. And what I mean by that is use at least one paid dating site. An example would be Match.com, although there are many other good ones out there. And the reason for that is the barrier to entry is higher when you're using a paid site. Somebody's having to take out a credit card and make a payment, which is akin to a commitment. And for a lot of these paid dating sites, you have to write a profile and certainly put up some pictures. And so what happens in my experience is people who have thought and prepared for, for dating again, who aren't just doing it on a whim, um, will gravitate towards the paid site. There's going to be a higher preponderance of, of those people on the paid site. Um, and just to, to give some color to this, um, in my experience, from what I heard from friends and also from what I experienced, when I was on a paid site, there were fewer, shall I call, people who were actually already in a relationship or were even married um, on these sites. So in other words, if you're on a free site, anybody can be on there. Right. And there's a greater number of people who aren't really serious or even available for a committed long-term relationship on free sites. Now, that's based on my experience and what I heard from other people, but it makes sense to me. So I was a heavy user of, of a paid site. You know, as, as I think about it, you know, you could have an argument with your spouse and jump on a free site and you're up and running in minutes. So it does make sense that you are needing to be more intentional if you're actually doing a site on a site that's paid. But let me ask you about pictures. Many people, uh, certainly women, often really uncomfortable about the idea of posting their picture, really putting themselves out there. May post somebody else's picture, may post a picture that's 20 years old. What do you, what's your thought about the requirement for pictures? Well, first of all, um, I, I think it's really important to put representative pictures of yourself online. You don't have to put 10 pictures up. You do not have to put a picture of yourself in a bathing suit or in shorts up. Um, in fact, I would caution against uh, any kind of cheesecake photos. But um, it's, it's only fair to the other person to put up a picture of what you look like today uh, because you'd have the same expectations of them. Um, it puts a face to your profile and to your name. And uh, in fact, pictures can draw the other person in. Certainly we all know that men are very visual, more visual than women in many cases. Um, so the picture is a baseline for men. They have to see a picture. Um, but 
the way that you're captured in the photo can also really speak to them um, in a way that you might not think about. So there are many ways why it's critical, many reasons why it's critical to put a picture, at least one, if not three, I say three, um, up. Um, and there's no getting around that. The best thing, in my view, is to hire a photographer or ask a friend who's good with an iPhone to take at least one or two of those pictures and then use another candid picture to represent your lifestyle. So it doesn't have to be a huge financial commitment, but it should be a valid, as you say, a valid representation of who you are today. Absolutely. And I know some people are are turned off by the thought of going out and getting a professional photographer. When I was dating, um, a couple of my pictures had been taken by a friend of mine who's a wonderful photographer and he'd left his name and the copyright on the picture. And I remember one gentleman, he was kind of turned off by that, but I explained to him, look, I felt like these pictures captured me. They were candid and um, it wasn't a big investment. I, I don't, you don't have to get a professional photographer. An iPhone works fabulously, um, but try and get somebody who really gets the light in your eyes or captures you at your best angle. Christiane, we're going to take a break, but when we come back, I'd like to focus just a bit on your comment that you need to treat online dating like a business. That sort of startled me. So, again, folks, I want you to stay right where you are. We will be back in just a moment with Christine Hiley, who is the author of One Plus One is Greater Than Two, the online dating guide for women over 50. You are listening to Mind Talk. We'll be right back. about your recommendation that online dating you should kind of treat it like a business that almost sounds kind of cold what do you mean by that it it does sound a little cold but um it it made a lot of sense for me and then when I researched for this book I met other women who were doing the same thing they were far and few between but they seemed to be having the most amount of fun and here's here's what I mean and here's what I heard them say too you know we're all busy So first of all, time is scarce and dating can be very time consuming. In fact, it's one of the most uh, common complaints I heard about it. Secondly, our energy is precious and so is our vulnerability. Romance can make us very vulnerable, especially after we've lost someone or gone through a divorce. And so it's important in my view to be mindful and judicious about how we use our time and our energy. To that end, when you go online, you're exposed to a very, very large, what I call inventory or number of men. Inventory is also a cold term, but it, it kind of gets the point across. Absolutely. You can, <laughs> you can become inundated by, um, by the choices that are there. 
And you'll also see that many, many, many of the men are probably not going to be a good fit for you. But once you call down the men who could be a good fit, the fact is when you meet them in person, it's sometimes very easy to see within the first couple of minutes that they are also not a good fit. So I thought long and hard about this process, applied my marketing background, you know, the lead nurture framework, and decided that I was going to spend as little time as possible online and as much time as possible up front calling that list of potential dates before I met anyone in person. And in order, me, in order to do that effectively, I actually started a spreadsheet. <laughs> so <laughs> I would put my top candidates on the spreadsheet and if we connected online, they would then move over into another column. They were now effectively, you know, a warm lead. We would have an online banter for a couple of rounds. But as a rule, I tried to keep that online exchange as brief as possible and push to the phone, which is why my second dating guideline is push to the phone and limit texting. The phone call gave me an opportunity to hear their voice, understand where they were coming from, validate their identity and what they had put on their profile. Were they, in fact, really divorced or were they still married in the process of getting divorced? That was something important that I wanted to know. Did they really work out or did they just say they worked out? Things like that. For many people, there are lots and lots of other values and qualities that that you know they wanted to figure out before they met in person and so after spending about 30 minutes on the phone I would then agree to meet them in person I then had another rule I have another rule and it's my dating three men or pardon me three date rule which means that for anyone who passed my phone screen once I committed to an in-person date, I was secretly or personally committed to seeing them three times. And all of this references back to my business um, experience, which is if you're going to do a deal, you don't just meet once. You nurture that relationship. You have a phone call. You figure out what's important to the other person. They want to know what's important to you. And there's an iterative process or dialogue that usually goes on before a deal is clinched. And so in that same way, I, I compare dating to business. It's, um, it's a way in which to get into a romantic realm in a safer and I would say higher quality way. You know, it, part of what you're saying is so interesting because so many times I've talked to folks who have said, we texted and talked for six months before we met or three months before we met. And you're saying not such a great idea. Absolutely. If there's one takeaway from a dating process that I cannot underscore enough, it's push to the phone and limit the texting. I've heard so many stories about men who were texting and they ended up being married or they didn't even live in the same city, the same state, or the same country. 
as most of us know, there are risks to online dating. Um, there are scammers in many different shapes and sizes. Um, the scam is typically around trying to elicit some, some money from someone. And uh, my way of combating that was to get in person, get a meeting in person as soon as possible. For example, if somebody couldn't meet me, and this is a conversation I would have on the phone with them, if they couldn't meet me in person within 10 days, they fell off my spreadsheet hmm. because there was a pretty good risk that they weren't even legitimate or in the same area as me. You know, what's interesting as I listen to your approach to online dating, and I think about your history. I mean, your history is one as a practicing attorney. So you really know how to research and listen, perhaps, with a different ear from someone without those kinds of skills. Would you say that is the case, or would you say that this is just a, uh, it, it's just required that you pay attention to what you're doing? Um, I think that anyone can be effective at this process and take advantage of the telephone interview. I, I do admit that because I was an attorney and conducted discoveries, and I was also a market researcher for a while, um, I have a pretty good command of what I call the pregnant pause. In other words, um, I will deliberately leave a gap in the conversation to see what comes out of the other person's mouth. That is a tool that litigation attorneys use, especially when they're doing cross-examination. It's also um, a method that researchers use to see what the other person says. And it's something that I recommend that people do when they're having a phone conversation with a prospective date. Because, um, and in particular, women tend to fill awkward silences, and women are often great at talking. Um, I think it's very important when you're doing online dating to be equally good at listening. And this can be particularly challenging when you're dating or about to date a man who is shy or maybe not such a big talker. And I can give the example of, of my boyfriend who's a scientist. He is not a talker. Um, so when we met, I, uh, I definitely had to carve out some pregnant pauses. But anyone can do that. Um, just take a breath when you're in the conversation and remind yourself not to conduct the entire conversation. And, of course, have some questions ready for, for the other person in your back pocket. Well, you're right. Women often do feel the need to hurry up and fill in a conversation. And, you know, kind of what do you do with the awkward silences? Do you just sit there and wait for the person to speak or what do yes. you do? Yes, you do. I okay. do that. I actually do a count. So, and of course, I don't do this all the time or even most of the time. But, but there were certainly conversations that I had where um, the man was not trying very hard, perhaps. Maybe he was reluctant to talk to me on the phone. He would have preferred to have texted for another two weeks. Um, and there were a couple of guys where we never got together because I got such a bad feeling from them on the phone. And in each of those cases, I would deliberately leave a pregnant pause or a silence, and I would count to three and see if they came up with a subject matter. And if they didn't, this gave me pause. 
a little bit of cause for concern. Um, if I felt like they were just shy and struggling, I would throw them a line and ask them how they like to spend time on their birthday or where they were planning to go on their next vacation, something light. But, um, but I did do a three count in my head just to see what would happen. And again, those are, those are isolated cases, but it's an important tool. You stress, one of the things that you stress is the need to be clear about what it is you're looking for in a mate. Um, and I suppose what you're looking for, are you looking to date? Are you looking to marry? Are you looking to have a baby in three weeks? I mean, you know, what really are your goals for meeting this guy? Uh, can you say more about that? Yeah, absolutely. So what I find is that... Um, Almost all women, women that I have spoken to, they say that they're picky, and then they tell me what they want in terms of a man's appearance, and they would like him uh, in an ideal world to be affluent or at least have a job. Um, but what I don't hear them say in some cases is how they want to feel when they're with that person. Um, I often don't hear them get really clear on important qualities such as pet ownership, uh, religion, politics, um, amount of time spent traveling the world or spending time with family, how they would like to spend their holidays, even, even Christmas, Easter, Halloween, things like that, that become really, really important down the road. So, when you're considering dating, for me, I got really clear about the entire picture, and then I prioritized what was truly important to me. And I'll give you an example. It's, it's, um, it's kind of a trite example, but when I started dating, one of the things that I absolutely wanted was that this person had to be a skier because I ski. And it turned out that because I live in... Um, because I live where I live, there aren't a lot of skiers here. So I realized that I was striking out and I wasn't getting um, a lot of dates. And I went back to my profile and I decided to take the ski requirement out. I thought, well, if I don't meet someone who skis, that's fine. I can still ski with my girlfriend twice a year. And frankly, that would be enough. We're talking 10 ski days that I can actually do with friends on the West Coast. No big deal. So um, I took it out, and I ended up meeting a lot more men. So back to your question about get clear on what you're looking for. Get clear on the entire range of qualities that are absolutely critical, and then prioritize those and figure out which ones might fall into a nice-to-have bucket. Try not to be too unreasonable with this long, long laundry list of requirements that right. you have. And try try and get to a qualitative place too, not just he's got to be tall, you know, attractive, affluent. Let's get to the feeling part where I want to feel taken care of when he's with me. I want to feel safe, like he has my back, those kinds of qualities. Christiane, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, I'm going to ask you a question that is probably the first question that people ask themselves. Folks, don't go away. This is Pamela Brewer. You're listening to Mind Talk, and I'm having a conversation with Christiane Heil, who is author of two 
I'm sorry, one plus one is greater than two. The online dating guide for women over 50. We'll be right back. Christian, number one question I think people often ask of themselves when they are confronted with the need to write a profile is what on earth to say or not say in their profile. What is your guidance? So um, I, I really loved writing my profile, and I think it's a fabulous way for anyone to get really clear about what they're looking for. I would say make it a story. Tell somebody who you are and tell them in a creative and authentic way, if you can, using words. In other words, um, if you're describing the fact that you can cook, don't just write, I'm a good cook, but write something along the lines of, I can make a fabulous old-fashioned meatloaf with scalloped potatoes, if that's what you like, or I can make you a cocova with a red wine, if that's your preference. So, in other words, the more you can create your profile around a story, one that reflects all of your tastes and your preferences and your talent, um, the more interesting you're going to become. Um, what not to say? Absolutely do not say how long you've been dating. That would be one big no-no. Why? Um, uh, because it, I, I once read this profile, a person wrote that they'd been dating for a long time, and then they said, here we go again. It just felt like they were a dating battle axe, for lack of a better term. Yeah. It, it felt tired. <laughs> it, it didn't make me want to meet them. It felt like they'd had a string of disappointments and they were likely going to come to the table with a jaded, jaded view of things. So it just wasn't encouraging. And frankly, I don't think it's anyone's business. I, I think, you know, if you've been dating for a long time, that might reflect your tenacity um, the fact that you have a busy schedule, you've been traveling uh, for work. It's nobody's business how long you've been dating until you meet them in person, in my view. And then um, when you meet them in person, do you tell them? Yes, if they ask. I, I think it, it's not that relevant unless they ask you. Um, but, you know, I, I don't, I certainly don't advocate lying or, or not telling the truth. Okay. Um but I, I, would, I would definitely say try to keep all of your interactions, whether it's your profile that you're writing, your picture that you're posting, your telephone conversation, keep it upbeat. Keep it hopeful. Um, you know, what you're doing is you're trying to connect with somebody who is as hopeful as you are. And that upwards energy is really, really, really um attractive i mean men find that attractive when when you're open-minded you're curious you're romantic you're you're fun and that's that's what you want to convey in your profile all right next 
important question that I'm going to ask you to just give us a, a hint of a response to um, as our time draws to an end. What about sex? Mm -hmm. Do you have sex in the first date? I mean, a lot of times I hear people saying, well, you're not getting any younger. We might as well go ahead, go ahead and have sex now. What do you say to that? So, um, I, no sex on the first or second date. Up to you if you want to have it on the third date. And I do think that most of us now uh, feel like time is fleeting. So, you know, I would say third date or thereafter. All right. That's very clear. Christiane, tell us how people can get more information about one plus one is greater than two. Yes, um, absolutely. On my website, which is ChristianeHeil.com. And Christiane, would you quickly spell your name for us? C-H-R-I-S-T-I-A-N-E-H-I-L-E. -E. Okay, terrific. Thank you so much for joining us today. And honestly, thank you for writing this book. There are many people uh, who will appreciate the, the clarity of the guidance and the experiences that you share. Thank you for that. Oh, my pleasure. I had a lot of fun. Thank you so much. And folks, thank you for joining us today on this edition of Mind Talk. Mind Talk is brought to you regularly as a educational and entertaining conversation, and it is not intended to replace any work that you may be doing or intend to do with a clinical professional. If you would like to email me at Pamela at MindTalk.org, I would be happy to hear from you. That's P-A-M-E-L-A -E at M-Y-N-D-T-A-L-K dot O-R-G. I look forward to your joining me on our next conversation. And remember always, if it's unacceptable, it's unacceptable. You take care. Thank you.